census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Episode 297 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are here in the newly renovated Pat Cave in Magenta Manor, uh, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, as we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. I am here, and I am not alone. As always, I am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is <gasps> the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, the Viceroy of Vignoles, and I'm sure there's other ones in there as well. Wine. Uh, <laughs> she is the... Michael Phelps of Wine. She is the queen of the monsters. She is the real housewife of Transylvania and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. She is the weirdo with wine. The wine-do. Wine-do. That just... Weirdo. The wiener. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that quite works. I'm the wiener. (laughs) Ugh. And we are off and running. We are going. We are doing this. We, but you know what? This is this is a good mood to be in. It is. To discuss and, these particular characters ugh. from this specific film oh, from God. this specific franchise. And it's funny because like we're doing weird stuff and saying weird things early. I asked her. I was going to ask her if she wanted a space opened up a little bit because there's like a little... Uh, cabinet like a little filing cabinet that i have some stuff stacked on but i asked her if i if she wanted it cleared off because i didn't know if i wanted to say cleared or cleaned uh and earlier we were uh, at my brother's house eating ice cream uh, we had ice cream cake and earlier today i almost asked you to cream me in front of your mother so yes yes yes, yes. that is a, that is a thing that she happened we are in rare form today. asking she was asking for a piece of ice cream cake to be clear. <laughs> I was going to say, hey, cream me. And and I was like, yeah, uh, nope, nope, don't want to say that. Don't. Uh, well, that's kind of like a couple of weeks ago, the uh, ice cream person yeah, came. Yeah, when the, uh, the ice cream truck came. Fantastic. I, it, I don't, I mean, maybe they've been here when we haven't been home. I haven't noticed. But, like, it's been a couple of years since they, they've been around, and uh, so... Patsy heard the music and was just like, "Oh my God, ice cream! Let's go get ice cream!" So obviously we went and, and got I did ice have cream. cash for it. And uh, you got a choco taco. I did, which is good. which is a very classic and solid choice. I got one of those fun little sherbet novelty ice creams. As yeah, was I. Yeah. It was a Powerpuff Girl. Yes, it was bubbles. And so we go into the house and we're eating our ice cream. Like, do you want a bite of like, Choco oh, Taco? Do you want a bite of my Choco Taco? And it's like, yeah, of course I want a bite of your Choco Taco. I'm like, 
I should have just said, would you like a bite of my ice cream? But no. Would I you would like to lick my little girl? <laughs> like, like, do you want a bite of my little girl? <laughs> and he just looked at me. I was like, no, thank you. That sounds like, weird. Yeah, no, that's, uh, should have, should have, should have Are we not doing one. phrasing anymore? <laughs> so apparently I can't have ice cream anymore because I just don't know how to be uh, uh, appropriate with it. Oh, I don't mind. I told you I would cream you. <laughs> I mean, that's just, so yeah, that's the uh, type of tenor <laughs> we're going to have for this, this week's episode. And we haven't even been drinking. We're just really tired. Cold sober. Um, so this week, if you've uh, if you paid attention to uh, some of the Facebook posts and some of the stuff that showed up in uh, in the uh, Throwdown Thursday Facebook group, which is what we like to do, we like to post you know little hints. Yeah, if we find previews, memes, or uh, in this case, an entire video, YouTube videos. Uh, this week, we're going to be discussing uh, the Batman mm. of. <sighs> Batman and Robin. Oh, this is George Clooney's uh, Batman. But for our uh, getting into character question, uh, we were trying to come up with something, and you had the idea because I said something at the very beginning of this movie because this movie set right off the bat well, sets I mean, the tone. You get five minutes of close-up bat nipples, Robin nipple, uh, cod pieces, like every single bum, bat bum. Robin bum. Any closer, we would have seen the Batcave. <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't understand the purpose of that. Like, am I supposed to be aroused by this really tacky rubber suit? I don't even know whose body that was. It, those could have been action figures for all we know. This is true, yes. Um, I will say this. That was not America's ass. It was not. That wasn't even Canada's ass. <laughs> So, one of the things that you get to see right at the beginning that also turns you right off to this movie is the horrendous-looking Batmobile. Like, I don't know what... It, like, it had gills or something? Like, it you wasn't know, quite the, finished? the Christmas jingle? You know, the Robin smell, someone laid an egg. Robin the, laid an the, egg? The, the, the Batmobile that lost its wheel? That's the one. No, this is... That's the one. That's that's the Batmobile that lost its wheel because it's, it's so shitty. Oh, it's so such terrible. A, such a terrible Batmobile. So we decided, let's talk about uh, some of our favorite Batmobiles. Now, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, there are, you know, I have a little bit more experience with this than you do because of the video games. I've played the games you haven't. You are a, you are a Batmobile connoisseur. Well, just in the fact that I've played the video games, so I, I'm a little more familiar. Well, I mean, technically, you've driven a Batmobile in the video game. Well, yeah, but that's not really the same. It's the same. Um, but it's really only the, the last couple of games that have had the Batmobile um, uh, feature. But you know, there's a lot. There's the you know the '66. Uh, well, I say '66 because that's when the movie came out. But the the '60s Batman, you know, atomic batteries to speed, you know, or turbines to speed, atomic batteries to power, you know, all that. Um, you know, the one that Adam West drove. Then there's the one from, you know, Batman the animated series, and you know, all the different movies, the live action portrayals. So there's a lot of different ones to choose from. 
So I'll go first to give you another uh, minute because I know you were doing some extra research on Batmobiles. Oh, I'm good. Oh, you're I good. All right. Well, yeah. then, yeah, oh, yeah. What are, what are your what are your favorite Batmobiles? So right off the bat, ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think of the Batmobile, my brain automatically thinks of the 1989 Batman Michael Keaton Batmobile. I mean, that's a good one. I think that has to be my favorite, aside from the 1966 Adam West Batmobile. That's just that. It's just that's a classic at this point. I mean, obviously, maybe not the most functional of all the Batmobiles, as far as like gadgets and gizmos and whatnot. But it's uh, got gadgets and gizmos of plenty. And who's it's and what's it's galore? Thingamabobs. There's at least four. <laughs> Uh, but I love it. It's it's fun to look at. We've been at many conventions where there have been replicas. The, yeah, the the sixty six, the nineteen sixty six. Picture yeah. taken and stuff like that. Uh, it's just so cool. It's classic. It's fun. Uh, reminds me, obviously, when you see it, you immediately think of of the Adam West Batman and and how you almost hear the exactly the transition there. And when I, um, but when I, for some reason, when I think Batmobile, the first one that comes into to, to mind is the 89 Michael Keaton Batmobile. And I think that one is definitely, the, again, my opinion, the coolest looking Batmobile. It's not very tricked out. There's a little bit of a cartoony aspect to it. And it's easily hackable. I mean, if you remember in the second in the second one in Batman Returns where Danny DeVito's... Yeah, but that's a different car. Uh, it's essentially the same but design. But it's a different car. I know, but it's supposed to be an upgrade on the earlier version, and it's super easy to hack. and like Barely an inconvenience. It, uh, Danny DeVito's riding in the, the little, like, 25-cent drugstore one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that part's hilarious. But, uh... But yeah, so so that's a, that I, I think I have to go with that as my favorite. I just like it, all black and stuff like that, and it's just uh, it's just really cool looking. I will tell you my least favorite Batmobile. Yeah, is the 2005 Batman Begins Batmobile. The, the, the tumbler. Christ, yeah, the Christian Bale one. I like the tumbler. Oh, it is just so clunky. And it looks like a tank. Well, that's it. it and is. It's like it's just it's a box on wheels. So then you must also hate the Ben Affleck one. I do. Right. It's a box on wheels. So for me, my favorite. Uh, maybe this is recency bias, but I really liked in the most realistic one is Robert Pattinson's. Uh, I think that's the most realistic one. I like that one a lot. That thing definitely takes a lot of damage. Well, I mean, and it, that one specifically looks like a car that has been tricked out into, you know, modified into being something else. Right. And like it, y- you could tell that one is definitely a car versus some of the other ones that are slightly more ambiguous. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look specifically like a car. It looks more like a a, a box on wheels. No, like in some cases, like a torpedo or like. You know, definitely not something that would be practical to drive in a normal city street. I mean, think about how long, you know, the the first Batmobile is for Michael Keaton. Like, that thing's 25 feet long. Like, there's, you know, it's not practical. Like, he has to shoot uh, cables onto light poles in order to make tight turns 
whereas you know with Pattinson, you know this thing, it's it's basically just like a super tricked out, you know, like Camaro or or you know not Camaro, but like you know a a, a, a regular car that he just did a ton of work on. Um, it looks more like something that could be passable during the day. Like you drive by and like, oh, that car looks like it's got a bunch of work on. So, uh, but it just looks like it blends in a little easier. I guess is the is the main the main point. Obviously, I love the the '60s Batmobile. That one's just so much fun. Um, it looks really cool. It looks futuristic, or what they thought would look futuristic in uh, the 1960s. Uh, I will also give a shout out to the Dark Knight Returns tank mobile that he drove. Oh, hideous! Yeah, hideous. You, you, you know which one I'm talking about, the, yes. the animated one with Peter Weller, where he's like the older Batman and he fights Superman and kills him. Oh, no. Doesn't kill him. Like, we watched Wait, that. Wait, is that? Oh, oh. Yeah, Dark Knight Returns. This is when he's like in his 60s. Oh, the animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Peter Weller. Like, it's like a, t- it's literally yeah. a tank. Yeah, okay. Yes. So I think that would be my, uh, that that's an honorable mention, but... As far as practicality for what he was doing with it, um, but otherwise, I I, I got to go with Pattinson. Uh, I liked the uh, the Affleck ones. Those mo- mostly seemed like they were designed specifically for what they were doing, uh, like the type of terrain that they would be um, used on and the uh, the situation, you know. Whereas the normal Batmobiles that you see in the the eighty uh the late eighties uh and early nineties with Keaton um the flamboyantly excessive ones of the Joel Schumacher series with the giant fins on the side and like the weird torpedo sh- like yeah. Uh and like the weird vents in the front with the lights coming out of it. I did not like those at all. Like they were just even for me, they were too ostentatious, but they're not practical. They're too theatrical, at least with the tumbler, considering what he had to do with it. You know, like that leap he had to make into the, the water to to get back into the bat cave and the leap to get out of the bat cave. Like it was practical for that. So I guess, um, but it's too, uh, like you said, too bulky and and too just not practical. So we want to know what some of your favorite Batmobiles are. Let us know. Well, I have a question for you before oh, we uh, okay. go to break. If you could design your own Batmobile. Oh, all right. Like... What would the body of the car be? Would it be a car? Would it be something else? And what's one key element that your Batmobile would have? Like, like you know, either a, a tricked-out thing, some sort of... Uh... My Batmobile would be very similar to uh, the Inspector Gadget car in that it could uh, transform and be useful in... Uh, it would be... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like what the word is. I know amphibious. Amphibious is part of it. Like it would definitely be able to, you know, go underwater. 
but it would also be able to fly. Like, you know, no matter what the situation was, I would be able to uh, either evade or follow whoever I needed to. So it would uh, it would be able to uh, go underwater. It would be able to uh, to fly, and it doesn't need to go, you know, like Mach three or anything like that. Just you know, a couple hundred miles an hour, and uh, you know, it doesn't need to explore the bottom of the ocean. But it would be probably shaped. It would be shaped like a normal car. Like I said, it would be similar to like the Inspector Gadget, like a almost like a minivan, but like one of those sleek minivans, like a Pontiac Montana. Um, I think something like that, and it would have a sweet sound system. Because if I'm driving around fighting crime, I got to get pumped up. So probably. Uh, you know, got some sweet speakers to play my Mariah Carey music. Like, it's just, cause a, it's just a sweet, sweet fantasy, baby. What you what you don't understand is like, if I'm out fighting crime, my song, "All I Want for Christmas Is You," that's the that's the crime fighting song, <laughs> that, that because your... it's going to enrage me so much. Uh huh. I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, I have to punch something. It's gonna be it's gonna be your pump up song. Yeah, because I just want to punch everything in sight. How about you? Uh, so obviously, because I asked you this question, I gave it some thought myself. I am obsessed with the way that the 2020, 2021 Rolls Royce Wraith looks. It is so chic. And it really, like, look at these pictures. It looks like a crime-fighting vehicle. Oh, yeah, it looks very similar to the one that they like used in... Uh, all uh, black, but, like, it's chic. It has, the, like, a uh, slight, like, vintage look to it. Resident Evil. The Resident Evil Afterlife? I don't know. The, like, the one where they're driving around in, in Russia. But, like, an all-black one that's just completely just tricked out to the nines. Ah, I'm drooling over these pictures right now. But, yes, um, definitely a, a, a Rolls Royce uh, Wraith body. Um, I would want it to have its own air system. I would want it to be able to seal itself not only to be potentially slightly amphibious but you know sometimes Batman, Batperson, Bat whoever, superheroes find themselves in a situation where the air around them is really toxic so having something that can, can you know close you off from that and have like a whole oxygenated air system flowing through that could be really useful really helpful also fully armored obviously well i mean that just goes without saying you know, like it would have to be tempered glass similar to uh what they refer to as the beast the president's limo or the pope mobile <laughs> pope well like the anti anti ballistics <laughs> yes yes like, no i know are, exactly yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't want a giant bubble where i waved to people as i drove by like the pope mobile but uh yeah. And I would want, uh, so one cool thing I'd want it to do is I would want it to shoot, obviously have like, you know, um, 
guns attached to it or something like that. But I would want them to be firework guns. So I'd want them to like shoot off a firework and when it hits you, it exploded. So you're dead. You're in a bajillion pieces, but hey, fireworks. That goes goes against everything Batman stands for, though. You know, he does kill people. Well, I mean, speaking of the video games, speaking of the video games, like you could be driving around at 200 (laughs) miles an hour and there's a like an electrical field on the Batmobile, so if somebody tries to touch you, they get zapped and bounced off. But you're driving 200 miles an hour and you hit somebody, they're goo. But like, but here's the thing, you know, we're talking about like if we were, if this is what this is what my Batmobile. Right, but then you'd have to be Batman if it's a Batmobile. I am, I am Bat Goddess. Ashmobile. Ashmobile. All right. So that's what we would do. What about you? And what are your favorite Batmobiles? Is, is, uh, let us know. Throw it on Thursday podcast at gmail.com or the Facebook group or Twitter, TD Thursday Pod. Uh, let us know because uh, we'd love to hear from you. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be discussing George Clooney as Batman. I'm very sorry. We'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! It's the hockey team from hell! Cool party! Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, everyone, chill! George Clooney. Julian of the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild nights. Good night. Wild doesn't, doesn't quite cover it. O'Donnell. I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Uma Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about Batperson? 
Found the Batcave. She knows who we are. Guess we'll just have to kill her. Yep. In Joel Schumacher film. And loyalty. Partners. It all comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin. And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for 1997's Batman and Robin. Um, yeah, this is definitely, uh, a movie. I will say the only, so, so it was Batman and Robin, Chris O'Donnell reprising the role from, uh, the previous film with, uh, uh, Batman Forever with, uh, Val Kilmer as Batman, but this time with George Clooney, uh, Poison Ivy played by Uma Thurman just the absolute worst depiction of Bane we're not even going to talk about. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Victor Freeze. Nice to meet you. Let's chill out. The biggest issue I have with this movie... <laughs> Mr. Freeze wants to Netflix and chill. Yes. <laughs> the biggest issue I have with this movie... It's not a Batman movie. No, is that they have Mr. Freeze making ice puns nonstop, and they have Coolio in this movie, and they do not team them up, and they don't even share any screen time. 27. 27 ice puns. That is not enough. They need to have more of them. An avalanche? You know, 27 is three cubed. Three times three times three. Three times three is nine times three is 27. Math. Well, ice cubed three. They didn't have ice cube. They didn't have iced tea, but they had Coolio. Get the fuck out of here. Vanilla Ice was not in this. You could have had those four guys acting as his lieutenants. They could have just played themselves. Like, they could have just been themselves. Mr. Freeze could have walked in the room and be like, what are you doing? And then Vanilla Ice could be there and he could be like, it's Ice Ice, baby. Stop collaborating, (laughs) listen. No, like, and I will say this. uh, Speaking of getting things confused, so the fictional disease that they have is called McGregor Syndrome. That's the that's what Nora Freeze has. That's what Alfred has. Bonitis. Uh, you know that's from Stranger Things. Um, Futurama. <laughs> and Stranger Things. My only regret is so that I, I have, have bonitis. bonitis. If you get that reference, you've seen Stranger Things and you've seen uh, Future Stock in uh, the, the the I think the third season of Futurama with the '80s guy. Uh, and everybody's he gets all twisted up and beaten up because of his bonitis. That's Stranger Things, uh, season four. But uh, 
So this disease is called McGregor syndrome. Now there is a real life disease, and I actually did a, a, a Hannibal episode on this called the Cotard delusion, where the sufferers believe they were dead. And I was trying to explain that to someone, and I couldn't remember what it was called, and I kept referring to it as McGregor syndrome. And they're like, are you sure that's what it is? And I'm like, I'm not sure. And they're like, because that doesn't sound right. And I'm like, no, it doesn't sound right to me either. And then I was like, no, McGregor syndrome is that fake disease that Mr. Freeze had in 97's Batman and Robin. Cotard delusion is a real thing. Ugh. So this film was doomed before it even started. You know, coming off of the heels of Batman Forever, the fallout between Val Kilmer and Joel Schumacher, uh, the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the... the, the the, tension, the, 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 the tension, yeah, the tension between the studio and Schumacher, Schumacher not being able to make the movie that he wanted to make, having to give in to the studio, what the studio wanted, because obviously the studio has the shmoneys. So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when you want a job, you got to do something you don't really want to do. And, and, you know, what, what, what's sad and... Well, this uh, is another one. But again, well, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm getting at. So coming off of all of that, you know, when it's sad because Schumacher gets all of the guff for this. And in reality, it was the studio. It was the studio that said, hey, guess what? No. Uh, we like your vision, but uh, we'd like it better if it was something else. Um, this film, the studio flat out told Schumacher that they wanted it to be more, quote, toyetic. Yeah, this was a live action cartoon. Like, this was it, it was to the point where before filming before filming like every scene every day whatever Schumacher with one of those air horns would be, or megaphones whatever they are would be like hey everyone just a reminder we're filming a cartoon yeah I like, mean they, they didn't really even, were you know but, but like here's the thing there's a way to make things cartoonish and fun this is not it. No, I think that... Because, I mean, Clooney is a serious actor. Chris O'Donnell is well, a serious actor. But, but here, yeah, you know, George Clooney... Uh, his, claim to, his claim to fame at this point was ER. And uh, Dusk Till Dawn. You know, but he was prominently known for being on ER. I believe he won, or was at least nominated, if not won, you know, multiple Emmys, Golden Globes, what have you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so a, a very highly praised television actor. Um, the issue that I have with this, uh, actually, we'll get to that in a minute, because at the end of filming... Clooney was quoted saying, I think we just killed the series. George Clooney, if you go up to him and say, hello, Mr. Clooney, I paid money to see Batman and Robin, he will refund your money. Clooney, from all accounts, I haven't worked with him, but from all accounts that I've, uh, I've heard about him on set, super nice guy, really, really like down to earth, chill, like will ride the bus uh, like the transport vans, whatever, the bus from, you know, base camp to set with 
you know, the extras or with the, the production assistants and, and whatnot, like really down to earth, like has called people's parents to chat with them, travels with his, uh, whatever his booze is that he, he had to like, he'll bring a case of it. It's, and uh, I believe it it's a tequila. Yeah. And he'll just hand it out aviator? to people. No, aviator gin is, uh, Ryan oh, that's Reynolds. gin. Yes. Yes. Uh, he will, um, He'll just like hand it, like he'll bring a case and like give it to people who are like nice to him or do favors for him or whatever. Like, oh, hey, can you grab me a coffee? Yeah, here's your coffee. Oh, hey, here's a bottle of, you know, my booze. Like, he'll do that. My favorite part of George Clooney is his wife, Rosemary. <laughs> that was his aunt. <laughs> We've been over this. She's in White Christmas. She's dead now. It'd be kind of weird if they were still, if they, that's just. That's just, no, that's so, just weird. But, but anyways, the thing for me is watching this, like the only one who seemed like they were really enjoying themselves and having a good time was Schwarzenegger. And fun fact, this is only the second villain because he doesn't like playing the bad guys. He likes playing good guys, the heroes, the guys who win at the end. This is only the second time that he has ever played a villain the only other one being oh the terminator and he was originally supposed to be kyle reese but he read the script and said no i have to be the terminator do you know who was originally going to be the terminator i know everyone says oh it was going to be oj simpson uh but james cameron couldn't imagine him as a cold-blooded killer which is a real quote that happened in the early 80s but when it was going to be uh him as uh, the term as, as John Connor saving Sarah Connor Lance Henriksen was going to be the Terminator really yep Lance Henriksen was going to be the Terminator but instead he ended up just being the cop uh, but as a result of this he is one of two men to be killed by an alien a predator and a Terminator so and Schwarzenegger had just had open heart surgery before uh, so he was cast I, let me see it was he had heart surgery Shortly after being cast, but was fully recovered before filming began. I mean, and if you notice, he... Which is why... So, like, he was limited to working only 12-hour days. But he also, like, really didn't do a lot of action. Well, I mean, like, there are fight scenes, but he's usually just shooting his gun at people. His suit weighed, like, 75 pounds. Yeah, but for which, him, that's nothing. Right, but as somebody who had, was recovering from open-heart surgery... There's me recovering from open heart surgery and like multiple time Mr. Olymp Olympic Mr. Olympus Mr. Universe like bodybuilding Look at my quads body or look at my traps you see my traps have you seen God, my traps your brother uh, um multiple time Mr. Universe bodybuilder winner like 75 pounds isn't that much. I am so tan right now. My lats weigh 75 pounds each. They know you are talking about them. That's why they are jiggling. <laughs> One time I was a hostage and I used my pecs to wiggle out Morse code and that's how they find me. I threw a pipe at the guy and told him let off some steam. <laughs> hey, bad guy, remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied. <laughs> Although there is one, there was one part of that movie where I was like, "Wow, 
It sounds like Arnold doing a bad Arnold impression. Don't worry, Batman. I'll kill you next time. It's like, why don't you just kill him now? You just froze Robin. But that's the thing about this film. It was predominantly about Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy and Bane, her henchmen, uh, about the bad guys. The bad guys were upfront, foremost, what the story was about. Batman felt like an afterthought. If the last movie was Batman Forever, this movie was Batman Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't do much for the Batman character. So here's the thing. I don't think George Clooney is a bad Batman. I'm not wearing hockey skates. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, it's so uh, fucking bad. Go, go, gadget bat skates. Go, go, gadget skis. Uh, what are we doing here? But I, I, I don't think he was a... He, he was not a good Batman. Just, no, but, but here's Hi, I don't think I'm he was Batman. A, I don't think he was a bad Batman. I just don't yes, think he was. he was. No, I just don't think he was given much to work no, with. No, he was a bad Batman. Because, well, think about it. Batman really didn't do much. The, the most that Batman did was fight with Robin under the influence of Poison Ivy's pheromones. All right. When you think... Batman, what one line do you think of throughout the entire live-action performance of Batman? What's the one line you think of? Hand me down the shark-repellent bat spray. The correct answer is, I'm Batman. George Clooney has his I'm Batman moment. Hi, Mr. Freeze. I'm Batman. But I feel like George Clooney's natural speaking voice was, if this was animated, if this was animated and he was voicing Batman, I think that he would be a really good voice actor for Batman. I think... I think that his natural speaking voice, the way that he can... He just has this natural, um, this nice raspiness to his voice. His natural speaking voice is fine for Bruce Wayne. Batman is... A symbol of fear. Even Val Kilmer lowered his voice an octave. I'm Batman. Fear me. You trying to get under my cape, Dr. Meridian? Like, but George Bat Clooney's like, hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. Hi, I'm Batman. <laughs> but like, He this, sounded like a game show host. This specific Batman was not characteristically Batman. Like, it just... And, and Bruce Wayne wasn't even really Bruce Wayne, and we didn't have many Bruce Wayne moments. They wasted Elle McPherson. Well, they did. Elle McPherson, she proposes to Bruce Wayne in an attempt to try to get him to propose to her, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and he was just kind of like... I'm eh. sorry, I lead a eh. dark, evil life. Eh. Also, I'm you smitten with what? the plant lady, who is full of venom and will kill me if I give her smooches. It was just, it was just I'm weird. Bruce like, Wayne. It, it, Have a good evening. It just... It, what is he, like the weatherman? <laughs> Thank you and good night. It is um, 61 degrees here in Gotham, and it's about to get a lot colder because Mr. Freeze has diamonds. Yeah, because you know how diamonds are used to freeze things? Oh, my God. 
My suit runs on diamonds. Ugh, it's very practical. I'm a super genius. You know, I also like diamonds, but, uh... You don't have, like, any diamonds. You have, like, no diamonds. I have summer diamonds, okay? Summer diamonds and summer not. Yes. But you have, like, I would say 1% of your jewelry, if that is diamonds. Excuse me, you don't need to be advertising, broadcasting that to everyone. You like your darker onyxes and stuffs. You like your, your pink things and your, your black things, because they go with all your outfits. This is true. Um, but the whole thing is like, none of the movie made sense. You took Bane, who's one of the most fantastic Batman villains, and even Tom Hardy's version was good but not great. Yeah, Mr. Batman? Yeah, the, the voice. Jesus, the voices again. The fire rises. Crashing this place. I was molded by the darkness. I was moldy in it. <laughs> Mushrooms grew from my shoes. <laughs> I had a little teddy bear. But then to turn well, I mean, Bane into... Bane! So Bane caveman! Watching bad. this for the first time when I was younger. I will say this. you know, Watching this as a child, it's very colorful and it's very appealing. You know, it does look like a one giant toy commercial. It's very popular with toddlers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I liked that Bane when I first saw, not knowing anything. Like, if you don't know anything about the Bane character at all, this is a fun character. It's, it's like a, they tried to make him a, into the Hulk. You know? Hulk smash! Like, that, that's what you were trying to you do. You know, it's just uh, Bane is a sidekick. Bane doesn't have the ability to think for themselves. He's a parent. Bane... Whatever the last yes. thing someone says is... Don't let them fool you, Mr. Bane. It's the size of your gun that counts. Gun! Like... That's such a travesty. That That's like what they did to Batman in this movie. Like, they turned him into a cartoon. Hi, I'm Batman, Mr. Freeze, and I'm here to foil you. Oh, darn, you shot my partner with an ice gun. I'll have to dunk him in some warm water. But my favorite, and, and, and here's the thing. I loved Poison Ivy in this. She definitely I... encapsulated the 60s Catwoman uh, aesthetic and overall campiness. Well, so what they did was they told Uma Thurman uh, that she, she says had... curses. You know, kind of a creative, li like free creative license to do as she wants. You know, obviously within reason... But she loved the fact that she had the ability to do something that she's never done before. It was very... Now, her performance, that was camp. Mm -hmm. That was so camp. And it was fantastic. You know, she was just... Uh, she's a knockout. I love it. And we haven't really seen Poison Ivy portrayed in the cinematic universe. I think that might be it. Uh, as far as live action, yes. Um... We have seen her obviously in the Harley Quinn show, which comes out uh, soon. Well, yeah, yeah, and uh, we've cartoon. seen her uh, in the video games, obviously in the uh, the other animated stuff. Like she's 
featured very very heavily in some of the animated stuff. Um, but I'm I'm talking about from like a live, live action, action. This is it. Yeah. Like we've seen two Banes and and we've had as many Talia Al Ghuls as we have Poison Ivies. You know, so I think she did fantastic. Like I again, she's kind of doing some plant puns here and there, but it worked for her. Well, I mean, that's 90% of this dialogue was puns. You know, were, you a, were you a writer on Batman and Robin? I clearly should have been. I would have punched it up a bit. But for me, like, again, the whole Bane thing really irritated me because this came out, I want to say, two years after the whole uh, Nightfall storyline where Bane broke Batman's back after, like, this incredibly sophisticated plot to systematically weaken Batman, learn his true identity, make him suffer as much as possible, and then shatter him mentally, physically, emotionally, and just destroy him in a way that no other villain had ever beaten him. And then he's turned into a muscle-bound parrot who's more akin to Lou Ferrigno's Hulk, you know, than anything else. Like, it it irritated me, and I didn't even like this when this came out. I was 16 when this came out, and you were only, like, 10. So they, there's, a, there's a difference. Um, you know, obviously seeing it at, at the different times. Like, and I grew up watching the 66 series and you know I liked that but this was such a huge departure from the Tim Burton versions that you can't even like like Clooney said you know I think we killed this this series and they did this was the last one the next time we saw Batman in live action was Christian Bale and that was like a decade later what was well, that 2005 yeah, yeah I was going to say 05 so um after all of this happened, Schumacher had several meetings with Warner Brothers trying to convince them to let him make another Batman movie. He wanted to take the film back to its darker roots and make a Batman year one movie. He wanted to cast Kurt Russell as a young Commissioner Gordon, and he wanted the Selena Kyle character to be a young, beautiful African-American woman living in the ghetto. Warner Brothers decided not to rehire Schumacher, and the next Batman film stayed in development limbo for years until Batman begins in 2005. And we essentially got like this Schumacher's vision killed the franchise. Well, we because it, there there were supposed to be, um, so Batman Unchained was supposed to, was supposed to be the third Batman film in the Schumacher series franchise. It was supposed to be at least a trilogy, and we were all supposed to supposed to get a Robin Nightwing spinoff. Well, this was Dick Grayson, so Dick Grayson is Nightwing. Um, but we kind of got Schumacher's vision earlier this year with the the Batman. You know, we got his Selena Kyle. We got his Batman Year One. We got the darker angle. You know, so Schumacher was clearly ahead of his time, but I don't think that the world was ready at that point for a dark, gritty Batman. Clearly not, because it took another 10 years. And Warner Brothers still doesn't know how to do it quite right if Christopher Nolan's not at the helm 
because one of the main complaints of Ben Affleck's Batman is that he's far too dark. So, I I, I wish I could remember um, where I read this because I, I I would obviously you know cite the source, but I read a, a kind of like a a theory that um, 9-11 actually changed the way that production studios, filmmaker, not necessarily filmmakers, but definitely uh, because a lot of production studios didn't think that people could handle certain subject matters and whatnot and, and certain things. So I read this whole like theory that the reason why we got a darker, grittier Batman in the Christopher Nolan universe was because like 9-11 happened and it changed people's minds as to what can people handle and all of this other stuff. So I, again, like I, I read it a while ago. I it just dawned on me. I wish I could find the source i was looking for it I, I don't know if it's still a thing or or whatnot but anyways i just thought i think that's kind of a it, it almost like it it took people going through tragedy on such a grand scale for movie uh studios production studios to say hey you know what people can handle this and they uh, they Part of what they did was, you know, they had a lot of comic book storylines addressing what happened. You know, especially for the characters who t who live in New York, like, say, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, but, Tony I mean, Stark. Right, right. But, you the know, Avengers. Gotham is pretty much an, an, an analogy, a metaphor of New York. So is Metropolis. Like, they're both... It's it's hard to say which one is which, but, like, they're both essentially New York. But it's like, you know, the, the studios were like, oh, hey, you watched people, you know, fall out of buildings to their death on live TV. You can handle a gritty Batman movie now. Yeah, 9-11 <laughs> changed a lot of uh, media. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um... Yeah, that's. Sorry, didn't mean to put a damper on the conversation. No, 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 but, but it, uh... it makes sense because, and you know, this came out four years later. You know, it probably went into pre-production around two thousand two. You know, so there's, you know, a. But again, it's one of those things where it's been people have been trying to make a darker, like Tim Burton tried to make something dark, and, and I, I think Tim Burton's those... Batman may be the darkest because he does kill and he does it with a certain glee but there's a there's a comedic quality there's a campiness to those films there is whereas you know but there's and, also a dark then, savagery well right and then we head into the schumacher phase which was nothing but attempted camp and cartoonery and buffoonery and really just kind of got away from well, here's the the, the, the character altogether, and then you know I don't know because Batman and Robin, the least grossing Batman film of all time. Unsurprising. Well, I mean, and it and it it killed 
the careers. I mean, Alicia Silverstone, um, who Chris O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Um, well, he had made some. He was in that Three Musketeers movie that was also awful. <laughs> like he made some poor choices of his own as far as those specific films. His specific film. I mean, he's doing okay now. You know, he got into like that NCIS thing with uh, LL Cool J. Well, yeah, a, few a lot years of ago. like Alicia Silverstone is having a, a nice. Uh, Do not see the Requin. Career, you know, revival. Uh, she's been in. A, Decent amount of stuff recently, and I yeah, like she's been her. getting work. I've always liked her. Don't see the wreck um, one though. If you like shark movies, don't see the wreck one. But that's another thing too. Not shark movies, but Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, highly underused. And also, and they completely changed who the character was. That's what I was about to say. Like, oh, she's she's Barbara. They kept her name. She's but supposed like, to be Barbara Gordon, but. She's supposed to be Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Like, that's yes. the whole thing. But now she's Barbara, what, Wilson? She's Alfred's niece? Yeah, and the thing that drove me the most nuts about her character was, oh, yeah, this is my niece from England. How about her English accent? What'd you think about that? Maybe she's an English transplant. No, she's from England. She went to, where, where was it, like Oxfordshire? Like, because they couldn't say the real name of the college? Oxbr- Oxbridge. That's what it was. She went to Oxbridge. That's his niece from England who talks like Cher from Clueless. As if. Which came out in 1997, did it not? Uh, I don't know. Was it, it might have been 97. It might have been it a came little out bit earlier after, than that. It came out um, after uh, Halloween 6. Because Paul Rudd's first movie was Halloween 6. 95. So slightly before this one. So two years before this one. Ugh. Yeah. But I mean, what did she do after this? So after because uh, again, she has been a lot of stuff, like dozens of things. But like they blast set... from the past. Oh, that had um Brendan Fraser in yes. it. Yes. Love's Labor's Lost, which they made fun of uh in a uh Futurama episode, Love's Labor's Lost in Space. Uh, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, and Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed again. Oh, the video game. Beauty Shop. Tropic Thunder played herself. Uh, Really nothing like some, like an episode of things here and there. Space Dogs Adventure to the Moon. I know she was also like, you know, having a uh, a family as well. The Lodge, she was supposed to be good in that. Right, but they could have done a lot with her character. They hyped the character up. She's in all the posters. And the reason why... Strangely, the only one whose nipples were not prominently uh, <laughs> yeah, featured. Gee, I wonder why. Um, 
they brought her on because they wanted the film to be more marketable to teenage girls. Yes. They wanted uh, a, a more of a fe- young female audience to view the film. But they hype her up and she's only used in like the last what 45 minutes of the film maybe if that and come to find out apparently most of her scenes not most but a decent amount of her scenes were cut because uh she was a teenager she was a growing girl and apparently she gained a couple of pounds and the suit did not fit her anymore so they had to take out the suit they had to alter it and that took time well, I mean, that's what happens when you get a form-fitting rubber suit. But also, it's like the suit weighed 50 pounds. Who's to say she didn't put on, you know, a couple inches of muscle trying to wear that? And not only that, yeah, like these suits were so ill-fitting and, and in the sense that I don't think... It was really thought out. Especially the like, ones at the, the end with, like, the silver and shit on them. Like, they like, were all rubbers, these heavy fucking rubber suits. It's that, no different from wearing the Godzilla suits in the 50s. Right, but it is different in the sense that you're doing all of these martial arts fight scenes. Godzilla did martial. Active. Godzilla did martial arts fight scenes, especially in the 60s and 70s. The only difference was that his head wasn't covered, like, completely. You know, like, they at least had the eye holes in the face But what I'm saying, holes. like, yes, but, like, the Godzilla suit wasn't form-fitting onto the actor who was underneath. No, but it was, my point is, a big, bulky suit made out of a material that is going to make it harder for you to perform, and you have to do these exaggerated motions, like we talked about with the Val Kilmer Like, version. they had this young girl that they wanted to wear this super tight, form-fitting suit. Like, she was corseted in everything underneath it, trying to fit into it. It's terrible. Uh, and then she was chastised when, once, like, the press and whatnot found out that that was the reason why she wasn't prominently featured or featured as much as she was supposed to, uh, they chastised her, like, berated her and stuff, called her fat and whatnot. And it was just that that girl, that woman, she is the furthest thing. And even if she was, who cares? cares but no i get it you know especially with you know when it's supposed to be a superhero film like she shouldn't have been made fun of but like they could have like again not used a rubber suit exactly you can use a material that has a little more give to it spandex or like like some of the stuff that the uh the folks wear in the marvel films that has some give to it yeah it's pretty much form-fitting but it's also got give to it. They can move around because it's not rubber. Like, these people didn't think this through, but it looks cool for toys. But, like, what I don't... They just kind of throw this character into the mix. It's like, oh, hey, Uncle Alfred let me left me a video to watch, and now I know all about you and Whatever what you, you do, do and who don't you watch are. This. And, and all of a sudden, I know Kung Fu. This is my dying wish. I'm in the Matrix. Don't watch this CD. And she immediately watches the CD. It's like, well, if he told me not to, that must mean that he wants me to. And it's so, like... <sighs> 
Uncle so Alfred stupid. said I shouldn't do this. So obviously I went and did it. And he's like 70 years older than she is. So like that's a weird family dynamic too. And he's got Cotard delusion. He thinks he's dead. No, McGregor <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> bonitis. Yes. He has terminal bonitis. But like there's so much of this movie that makes zero sense. Well, and again, the complete underuse of some of these characters. It's a Batman film, and he's not even in half of it. Well, it's like 2014's Godzilla. It was the... They're like, oh, 2014 Godzilla starring Brian Cranston, and it's the Aaron Taylor Johnson show. You know, it's it, Robin's thrown into the mix, and he, just to, I don't know, be annoying as fuck. Uh, it's the first two seconds of the movie. When do I get a car? Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Oh, my God. This is what we're in for? You know? And then the complete underuse of the Barber character. You know, not only changing it, fine. I can, I can deal with you changing it, whatever. But you hype her up so much. She's this badass motorcyclist doing shit that she's not supposed to be doing. Rebelling. She dropped out of school, but nobody knows and all of this other stuff. Like, Oxbridge. She's fucking cool. Like, she is cool. And she's played by Alicia Silverstone, who was In like 1995. the it girl. You know, the it girl for the mid to late 90s. So, like, why wouldn't you do more with that character? Just because throw her in at the end. Like, hi, guys, I'm here. I'm wearing a suit and my hair is blonde. Boys Let's do don't want to play with girl toys. Uh, That's but I why. I want to play with girl toys. Right, but this. this toys these shouldn't two be movies. I know. That's but another these story two for movies, another day. These no. two Schumacher films. Where I know they it's, were, it's it's like they tried to capture like Tim Burton stuff is over the top cartoony. Everything he does is over the top cartoony, but there is a sinister scariness, a sinister like this deep unnerving There's also a refinement to it. It's like the best way I can define Tim Burton is Tim Burton if if he could have I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this the perfect Tim Burton movie to direct would be Willy Wonka because it's bright it's colorful and it's dark as fuck however when he tried doing it because it had already been done exactly the way he would have done it he blew it like it became a caricature of what that movie should have been because it didn't have that sinister undertones. Everything turned into a cartoon. That's how I feel Tim Burton's Batman evolved into Joel Schumacher's Batman. It's like Schumacher was trying to do the dark gritty version of what uh, Burton had done, but keep the bright, fun, you know, campy aspect to it, but overcorrected with the camp. You know, it, does that, like, make any sense, what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. The and original it, Gene Wilder Willy Wonka is what Tim Burton would have done, but when he tried to do it, it became... A parody. 
because he couldn't do it exactly the way it had already been done. Right. Well, and as we established with the last time we spoke about uh, Batman Forever, these are not the films that Joel Schumacher set out to create. These are the films that he was forced to create because he had already signed on to do them uh, thanks to the production company. And as we know, money rules all. So, you know, he... I think he tried to marry what he wanted to do with what the studio wanted to do. And at the end of the day, you really can't make everybody happy. So, and, and, and this is what we, this is what we got as a result. Um, I honestly believe that this is the worst, the worst depiction of Batman. Yeah. Because it just wasn't, it just wasn't right. It wasn't enough. Uh, if this had been advertised as more of like a villain story with a little bit of Batman in it, I think it may have done a little bit better. I think it may be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, don't call it Batman if you're going to focus on Mr. Freeze. But you can't call a movie Mr. Freeze because no one's going to see it. Frozen Ivy would have been a great title, but... Well, that's kind of like when they released the Birds of Prey film. They called it, what, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey? The Emancipation of One Harleen Quinzel or something like that. Like, See, yeah, 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 yeah. But they threw her in it. I mean, and to be fair, she was featured prominently and was one of the main characters, and it followed her story, but it should have. we should have gotten a Huntress movie. But that's, again, neither here nor there, and there was no Batman in that one. There was a hyena named Bruce, but it's not, not the same. So do you have anything else you want to add about this one, or uh, are you uh, pretty much ready to, to call it a night on... on uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm <clears throat> ready to send it to the freezer. Yeah, yeah. Put it on ice. Yeah. Just... Send it away, mulch it. We didn't talk about poison ivy so much, but yeah. But yeah, so uh, we're gonna wrap this up, and uh, when we come back, we have uh, some wine and some signs and some battle results for you. So uh, stay tuned, kids. We'll be right back. <laughs> Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
And we are back. That, of course, being the theme for uh, the opening title theme for uh, 1997's Batman and Robin. Like, just. All right, that's the last we have to talk about that. So yeah, let, uh, let's let's leaf it alone. We have uh, bat toll results. Uh, so what have we got? <laughs> so last week we threw down knights and tights, a battle of opinion. Which motley crew of medieval miscreants would you rather join? You could choose from the crew from A Knight's Tale or the crew from Robin Hood Men in Tights. And uh, Facebook and the Twitchers are not in agreement this round. Facebook chose Robin Hood Men in Tights, while the Twitchers said, oh, no, 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 nay, 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 we're going with a Knight's Tale. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, you know, either one is good. I Did mean, you vote? I didn't vote because I, I didn't want to sway anyone, but uh, my vote would go to uh, to uh, a Knight's Tale. Same. Yeah. Same. So uh, I thought about Robin Hood, but... Uh, I, I went with with Knight's Tale purely because I want Paul Bettany as uh, Chaucer to introduce me. Oh yeah, like my introduction's not good enough. You need the the Chaucer introduction. Uh, well, you know, maybe a little bit of effort, like it's Ashes von Nightmare. I have to remember six hundred and twelve different names. You know what? Jeffrey Chaucer would not have an issue. Jeffrey Chaucer would have lost his pants betting and would have not written down all the names and he would have forgotten about it. He would have lost all your names. He would have bet them all and lost. That's what would have happened. So. Are you threatening me with a pantsless Paul Bettany? Because I feel like I'm winning in this situation. No, I am not. <laughs> So we have some uh, science and wine facts before we go this science week. Science and wine. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first because this is really cool. Yeah. So uh, as you may have seen in the last uh, few days, uh, NASA has released some of the first photos from the James Webb Telescope, and they are fucking amazing. Uh, one of the one of the things I read said: uh, pick up a grain of sand and hold it at arm's reach as far as you can. That area of the sky covered by the grain of sand is what the James Webb Telescope looked at to show us that spectacular view of all these galaxies. Now, there are a couple of our own stars that you can see, and they're the ones that are featured prominently that look like they're retouched from movie scenes. Uh, but all these little tiny things that you see, those are galaxies. And you can actually, if you look in the center of this picture, you can see some of the galaxies being warped by the curvature of space-time. It's fucking incredible. Some of the stuff that we've seen that we thought was amazing from the Hubble telescope, we also were able to look at through the James Webb telescope. And the detail is unbelievable. It's like the difference between Atari and PlayStation 5. Like, the graphics are incredible. Uh, 
like the the resolution like it, but i mean technology has changed over the past 40 years so i would expect it to be a lot different you know this isn't a vhs tape that we're watching anymore this is you know a 4k blu-ray like these things are amazing these these like the fact that we can have a picture on our phone with a hundred galaxies and each one of these galaxies has trillions of stars you know billions of planets I mean they're all like super far away we'd never get there um, some of these like some of the images that the Hubble took were from uh, as far as we could see 13 billion light years Wow. Meaning that if you were traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, it would take you 13 billion years to get there. Some of the light from these galaxies and these stars that we're able to see, they don't exist anymore because the light has taken so long to get there, so far away. The distance is so vast. It's like the numbers at this point are incomprehensible. Like, I could say, oh, it's 13 billion light years and break it down into how many miles that actually is. But at a certain point, it doesn't mean anything. Like, you look at the moon, and the moon is 200,000 miles away. So at the speed of light, it would take you a little over a second to get there. You know, 186,000 miles per second. So it would take you little over a second to get there 1.2 seconds would get you to the moon traveling at that speed it would take you eight minutes to get to the sun if the sun were to explode we wouldn't know about it for eight minutes that's insane and the sun is a very small star as we're, we're learning from some of these some of the again in this scale is it doesn't mean anything because the, th the numbers are so incomprehensible. But a grain of sand compared to the rest of the Earth is how the sun is to some of these other stars, these supermassive stars. Like, it's, it's mind-boggling. Like, it doesn't mean anything because it's so huge. Like, the vastness... Like, this is why so much of the, the stuff that Lovecraft did, all of his cosmic horrors, are so... Uh, to look upon them is to go mad, because it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's so incomprehensible. Like, it'd be like a drop of water to the entire ocean. Like, it doesn't... Like, <laughs> like what, does that... What does that mean? Like, and for, as far as like our relationship to the rest of the universe, like that's still too small of a scale, you know. So the uh, the images, if you haven't gotten a chance to see them, just Google uh, James Webb Space Telescope. It's it's mind boggling. Like the the some of the nebulas that we've seen there's some dying stars like stars mm -hmm. that are in the final stages of supernova that are it's amazing and you'll start looking at some of these things and you'll see like 
wow, that looks like, you know, a person's eye, you know, like the iris of someone's eye or wow, that looks like, you know, whatever. Like there are so many things that like we could find parallels. I mean, part of it is pareidolia where your, your mind tries to make sense of shapes and patterns. Like when you look at the sky and you see a cloud, oh, that cloud looked like a rabbit. It doesn't really, but it's the closest approximation that your mind can make. So you just automatically, that's why you see faces and things all the time. Like, oh, that wall socket looks like a smiley face. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a need for your brain to find sense and patterns and, and different things. But it just, to me, it demonstrates the repetition of nature from small to massive scales. Well, and I'm really intrigued by the thought of other life within these galaxies. These millions of galaxies, that's what it looks like. There are... So, when you look at a galaxy, so the Milky Way galaxy is something like 100,000 light years across, and it is a small galaxy. So, again, a light year is the distance light travels in a year, so 100,000... Uh, 100,000, 186,000 miles per second for a year to get from one end to the other. Now, at this point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a term because, you know, there's been a lot of debate about this term that it's uh, a unit of distance, not time, a parsec. A parsec is 19.2 trillion miles. Even that is too small of a scale like earth to the sun is 93 million miles there are times where you can see jupiter with your naked eye no telescope or anything needed but you can see it in the sky it's 350 million miles away but it is so massive that you're able to see that I mean, it looks like a little dot, but you're able to see it. And even that, at that scale, like, it, it, what does that mean? Like, how, what is that size? Like, just the, the red spot is three times the size of Earth. The numbers, the sizes, the distances, like, you can assign the numbers to them, but at a certain point, it doesn't mean anything. Because you don't have a reference for it. It's like, oh, I know it's a mile, you know, from my house to the corner store. And I know how long that takes me. But then it's like, oh, so let me multiply that by 350 million times. And that's how long it would take me to walk to Jupiter. But it's like, those numbers don't mean anything because they're so huge. Bless you. Um... I don't know, it's just this vast incomprehensibility that I just love about space. And to me is just to see these things that we can only see through telescopes. We will never be able to see up close. You know, because this is a... These are galaxies. Well, They're the trillions have, of stars. The fact that we have that technology to magnify something like that 
to the point where we can see it with our naked eye. Yeah, and the biggest thing to me is looking at this this picture from a couple of days ago where you see all these giant galaxies that, again, would take 100,000 years to get across traveling at the speed of light. And there is just so much empty black space. Like, it'd be like, I'm going on vacation, and you take a duffel bag and you put one sock in it. And then you take another duffel bag, put your second sock in it. Like, that's kind of what the universe is. It's mostly empty black space. Because... That's just what it is. I mean, and that, and, <laughs> because it but is. I mean, that's what people are. What any object is. Well, yeah, you know? we are. We are star stuff. Well, there's that. But I was gonna say we are mostly empty space. Like, especially in my head, an electron, a, a uh, not electron, uh, a an atom, space. An atom is mostly empty space, which is what the whole technology for Ant Man is based on. They're shrinking mm -hmm. the space in between the atoms. And you see what we're able... Like, if we were able to take all... You know, just take away all the space in all the atoms, like, the Earth would fit into a basketball. Like, if you just took out all the empty space. And space is still super... It's... You could drive yourself nuts trying to think about it. And we know more about space than we do our ocean. Yes, yeah, we know more that's about... A, that's a real thing right there. We've explored more of our solar system than we have our oceans. Because we have yet to come up with the technology to be able to fully explore our oceans. But uh, that is a conversation for another day. A conversation that we can have for today is uh, wine. Let's whine about it. Why not? Let's whine about it. Um, so I recently discovered a type of wine that I didn't know existed. Uh, and so obviously I had to try it. I was really intrigued. Uh, and it makes sense. It makes sense that this is a, this is a wine. Um, because, you know, like mead is a thing. You know, honey wine is a thing. So, of course, agave wine has to be a thing, right? Um I tried this specific wine. It's called Flybird. That's the brand. It is a margarita wine. Okay, stay with me. So, multiple flavors under this brand. They have Baja Lime, Strawberry, Paloma, Watermelon, Cucumber, Passion passion fruit. Wow, that's a word. Uh, prickly pear, blood orange, mojito, pina colada, and mango nada. I was able to get my little hands on the blood orange flavor and oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, as we all know, I like wine. Uh, but I also like other cocktails too and I love margaritas. I love my two favorite types of margaritas a jalapeno pineapple margarita and a blood orange margarita. I love blood orange flavoring and especially in cocktails. 
so good. So when I saw this, I had to, had to try it. And again, I was really intrigued by the whole agave wine aspect. So it's 100% agave wine, or made with 100% agave wine, um, made down in Mexico. It is bursting with deep, tangy, red sweet orange flavors layered with fresh lime and agave wine for a refreshing citrus margarita experience. Obviously best served chilled over ice. It is so good. All I could think of when I took the first sip was like, this is summer. This is summer in a bottle. And it doesn't... Uh, have the typical characteristics of your typical wine. So what I mean by that is wine tends to have a specific flavor to it. This has, uh, there's a, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe the agave. You can tell it's a wine, but you also can't tell it's a wine. Is that the best way to describe it? Like you had some, you it's 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 really good it's 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 really good um it doesn't have those wine characteristics that you think of when you think of wine and my guess is that agave wine is a white wine uh a sweeter wine because it's agave but it doesn't taste like a white wine. It has a little bit of a, I mean, again, definitely a, a sweeter flavor to it, but there's something else about it. There's something else about the flavor that's just a little bit different. And then you add in. Yeah, you definitely get the citrus on that. Well, I mean, you know, but you, the citrus. I couldn't is from taste the, the blood. This, you couldn't. Is it made with real blood? Um, but it was really good, and uh, it, the price point was perfect. It was ten bucks for the bottle, uh, and it was great. It paired well with the sushi I was eating. I am really looking forward to trying some of the other flavors too. Uh, maybe that's what we'll do this weekend. I could do that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a Flybird Margarita wines, uh, multiple different flavors. I tried the blood orange. It was fantastic. Very we have other ones a lot too. of acidic though. It, there was a lot of acid well, it's to citrus. it. Yeah, so be be prepared for that. You may want to uh, drink it with a couple of tums next to you or something. But yeah, so there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of acid. But aside from that, it was really good. So. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much going to wrap things up for us. We do have a small announcement on uh, episode three hundred, which will uh, be dropping. On the 4th of August, we are actually going to be live. We're going to have some guests. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some prizes. So uh, we're going to be doing that uh, from 8 to 10. Uh, it's going to be live on our YouTube channel. So um, make sure that uh, you keep your eye open and ears open for that. Because, like I said, if you contribute, uh, we're going to be playing some fun games uh, contribute, and uh, you'll be entered into a drawing for uh, some prizes. You know, we'll we'll do some prizes like we did uh, last time. What was it, two fifty? We did last year when we gave away the thing, and I still have all of Colleen's stuff that she <laughs> we have to get to her. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think it might it have been something. episode two fifty. It was something. 
Uh, but yeah, we uh, we we did a special event last time, so uh, I'm gonna reach out to a couple of people as uh, guests. Hopefully, we can get some some folks on. Um, I know we do have a couple people already lined up that we're excited to have on. But yeah, live live episode. Uh, episode. Do we- do we want to tell people what our what our topic of discussion is going to be? Uh, let's wait until we do episode two ninety nine. Give them a week. Give them a week to discuss it. We're not saying that because we don't have it already picked out. We actually do. We're like super Which is prepared weird. for this. We yeah. generally don't. Like, I even wrote stuff we down. Are, we are show like we are impressively prepared for this live show already. Yeah. Already, and it's like three weeks away. Yes. So brace yourself, children, because this is going to be a lot of fun. You will not want to miss it. But as always, if you do happen to miss the live show, you'll be able to catch the audio the following day, wherever you will, well, wherever you're listening to it right now. And you'll be able to see it on YouTube. Yes. So if you want to see our cute little faces in the newly renovated studio. Oh. So yeah. Um, but I think with that being said, we, we will, will see you, you next Thursday. Thursday.